Question 47, Part 2 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues, The Virtue of Prudence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues, The Virtue of Prudence by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 47. Of Prudence, Considered in Itself, in Sixteen Articles, Part 2, Articles 6 through 10. Sixth Article. Whether Prudence Appoints the End to Moral Virtues. Objection 1. It would seem that prudence appoints the end to moral virtues, since prudence is in the reason, while moral virtue is in the appetite. It seems that prudence stands in relation to moral virtue as reason to the appetite. Now reason appoints the end to the appetitive power. Therefore prudence appoints the end to the moral virtues. Objection 2. Further, man surpasses irrational beings by his reason, but he has other things in common with them. Accordingly, the other parts of man are in relation to his reason, what man is in relation to irrational creatures. Now man is the end of irrational creatures according to Politics 1.3. Therefore, all the other parts of man are directed to reason as to their end. But prudence is right reason applied to action, as stated above in Article 2. Therefore all actions are directed to prudence as their end. Therefore prudence appoints the end to all moral virtues. Objection 3. Further, it belongs to the virtue, art, or power that is concerned about the end to command the virtues or arts that are concerned about the means. Now prudence disposes of the other moral virtues and commands them. Therefore, it appoints their end to them. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 6.12 that moral virtue ensures the rectitude of the intention of the end while prudence ensures the rectitude of the means. Therefore, it does not belong to prudence to appoint the end to moral virtues, but only to regulate the means. I answer that. The end of moral virtues is human good. Now the good of the human soul is to be in accord with reason, as Dionysius declares. On the divine names for. Wherefore, the ends of moral virtue must of necessity pre-exist in the reason. Now, just as, in the speculative reason, there are certain things naturally known, about which is understanding, and certain things of which we obtain knowledge through them, notably conclusions, about which is science, so in the practical reason, certain things pre-exist, 
as naturally known principles, and such are the ends of the moral virtues. Since the end is in practical matters, what principles are in speculative matters as stated above? Question 23, Article 7, Second Reply. Pars Prima Secundae, Question 13, Article 3. While certain things are in the practical reason by way of conclusions, and such are the means which we gather from the ends themselves. About these is prudence, which applies universal principles to the particular conclusions of practical matters. Consequently, it does not belong to prudence to appoint the end to moral virtues, but only to regulate the means. Reply to Objection 1. Natural reason, known by the name of syndesis, appoints the end to moral virtues, as stated above. Pars prima, question 79, article 12. But prudence does not do this for the reason given above. This suffices for the reply to the second objection. Reply to objection 3. The end concerns the moral virtues, not as though they appointed the end, but because they tend to the end which is appointed by natural reason. In this, they are helped by prudence, which prepares the way for them by disposing the means. Hence it follows that prudence is more excellent than the moral virtues and moves them. Yet, syndesis moves prudence, just as the understanding of principles moves science. Seventh article. Whether it belongs to prudence to find the mean in moral virtues. Objection 1. It would seem that it does not belong to prudence to find the mean in moral virtues. For the achievement of the mean is the end of moral virtues. But prudence does not appoint the end to moral virtues as shown above in Article 6. Therefore, it does not find the mean in them. Objection 2. Further, that which of itself has being would seem to have no cause, but its very being is its cause, since a thing is said to have being by reason of its cause. Now, to follow the mean belongs to moral virtue by reason of itself as part of its definition as shown above. Article 5, Objection 1. Therefore, prudence does not cause the mean in moral virtues. Objection 3. Further, prudence works after the manner of reason. But moral virtue tends to the mean after the manner of nature, because, as Tully states in Rhetorics 2.53, virtue is a habit like a second nature in accord with reason. Therefore, Prudence does not appoint the mean to moral virtues. On the contrary, in the foregoing definition of moral virtue, Article 5, Objection 1, it is stated that it follows a mean appointed by reason, even as a wise man decides. I answer that. The proper end of each moral virtue consists precisely in conformity with right reason. 
for temperance intends that man should not stray from reason for the sake of his concupiscences, fortitude that he should not stray from right judgment of reason through fear or daring. Moreover, this end is appointed to man according to natural reason, since natural reason dictates to each one that he should act according to reason. But it belongs to the ruling of prudence to decide in what manner and by what means man shall obtain the mean of reason in his deeds. For though the attainment of the mean is the end of a moral virtue, yet this mean is found by the right disposition of these things that are directed to the end. This suffices for the reply to the first objection. Reply to Objection 2 Just as a natural agent makes form to be in matter, yet does not make that which is essential to the form to belong to it, so too prudence appoints the mean in passions and operations, and yet does not make the searching of the mean to belong to virtue. Reply to Objection 3 Moral virtue, after the manner of nature, intends to attain the mean. Since, however, the mean as such is not found in all matters after the same manner, it follows that the inclination of nature which ever works in the same manner does not suffice for this purpose, and so the ruling of prudence is required. Eighth Article whether command is the chief act of prudence. Objection 1. It would seem that command is not the chief act of prudence. For command regards the good to be ensued. Now Augustine, in On the Trinity, 14.9, states that it is an act of prudence to avoid ambushes. Therefore command is not the chief act of prudence. Objection 2. Further, the philosopher says in Ethics 6.5 that the prudent man takes good counsel. Now, to take counsel and to command seem to be different acts, as appears from what has been said above, Pars Prima Secunde, question 57, article 6. Therefore, command is not the chief act of prudence. Objection 3. Further, it seems to belong to the will to command and to rule, since the will has the end for its object and moves the other powers of the soul. Now prudence is not in the will but in the reason. Therefore, command is not an act of prudence. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 6.10 that prudence commands. I answer that, prudence is right reason applied to action, as stated above in Article 2. Hence, that which is the chief act of reason in regard to action must needs be the chief act of prudence. Now there are three such acts. The first is to take counsel, which belongs to discovery, for counsel is an act of inquiry, as stated above. Bars Prima Secunde, Question 14, Article 1. 
the second act is to judge of what one has discovered, and this is an act of the speculative reason. But the practical reason, which is directed to action, goes further, and its third act is to command, which act consists in applying to action the things counseled and judged. And since this act approaches nearer to the end of the practical reason, it follows that it is the chief act of the practical reason, and consequently of prudence. In confirmation of this, we find that the perfection of art consists in judging and not in commanding. Wherefore he who sins voluntarily against his craft is reputed a better craftsman than he who does so involuntarily, because the former seems to do so from right judgment, and the latter from a defective judgment. On the other hand, it is the reverse in prudence, as stated in Ethics 6.5. For it is more imprudent to sin voluntarily, since this is to be lacking in the chief act of prudence, notably command, than to sin involuntarily. Reply to Objection 1. The act of command extends both to the ensuing of good and to the avoidance of evil. Nevertheless, Augustine ascribes the avoidance of ambushes to prudence, not as its chief act, but as an act of prudence that does not continue in heaven. Reply to Objection 2. Good counsel is required in order that the good things discovered may be applied to action. Wherefore, command belongs to prudence, which takes good counsel. Reply to Objection 3. Simply to move belongs to the will, but command denotes motion together with a kind of ordering, wherefore it is an act of the reason as stated above. Pars Prima Secunde, Question 17, Article 1. Ninth Article. Whether Solicitude Belongs to Prudence. Objection 1. It would seem that solicitude does not belong to prudence. For solicitude implies disquiet. Wherefore Isidore says, in his Etymologies 10, that a solicitous man is a restless man. Now motion belongs chiefly to the appetitive power. Wherefore solicitude does also. But prudence is not in the appetitive power, but in the reason, as stated above in Article 1. Therefore, solicitude does not belong to prudence. Objection 2. Further, the certainty of truth seems opposed to solicitude. Wherefore, it is related in 1 Kings 9.20 that Samuel said to Saul, as for the asses which were lost three days ago, be not solicitous, because they are found. Now the certainty of truth belongs to prudence, since it is an intellectual virtue. Therefore, solicitude is in opposition to prudence, rather than belonging to it. Objection 3. Further, the philosopher says in Ethics 4.3 that the magnanimous man is slow and leisurely. Now slowness 
is contrary to solicitude. Since then prudence is not opposed to magnanimity, for good is not opposed to good, as stated in the categories number eight, it would seem that solicitude does not belong to prudence. On the contrary, it is written in 1 Peter 4, 7, Be prudent and watch in prayers. But watchfulness is the same as solicitude. Therefore, solicitude belongs to prudence. I answer that, according to Isidore, Etymologies 10, a man is said to be solicitous through being shrewd, solers, and alert, chitus, insofar as a man through a certain shrewdness of mind is on the alert to do whatever has to be done. Now this belongs to prudence, whose chief act is a command about what has been already counseled and judged in matters of action. Hence the philosopher says, in Ethics 6.9, that one should be quick in carrying out the counsel taken, but slow in taking counsel. Hence it is that solicitude belongs properly to prudence, and for this reason, Augustine says, on the morals of the Catholic Church, 24, that prudence keeps most careful watch and ward, lest by degrees we be deceived unawares by evil counsel. Reply to Objection 1. Movement belongs to the appetitive power as to the principle of movement, in accordance, however, with the direction and command of reason wherein solicitude consists. Reply to Objection 2. According to the philosopher in Ethics 1.3, equal certainty should not be sought in all things, but in each matter according to its proper mode. And since the matter of prudence is the contingent singulars about which are human actions, the certainty of prudence cannot be so great as to be devoid of all solicitude. Reply to Objection 3. The magnanimous man is said to be slow and leisurely, not because he is solicitous about nothing, but because he is not over-solicitous about many things and is trustful in matters where he ought to have trust, and is not over-solicitous about them. For overmuch fear and distrust are the cause of over-solicitude, since fear makes us take counsel, as stated above, Pars Prima Secunde, Question 44, Article 2, when we were treating of the passion of fear. Tenth Article whether prudence extends to the governing of many. Objection 1. It would seem that prudence does not extend to the governing of many, but only to the government of oneself. For the philosopher says in Ethics 5.1 that virtue directed to the common good is justice. But prudence differs from justice. Therefore, prudence is not directed to the common good. Objection 2. Further, he seems to be prudent who seeks and does good for himself. Now those who seek the common good often neglect their own. Therefore, they are not prudent. 
Objection 3. Further, prudence is specifically distinct from temperance and fortitude. But temperance and fortitude seem to be related only to a man's own good. Therefore, the same applies to prudence. On the contrary, our Lord said, Matthew twenty-four forty-five. Who, thinkest thou, is a faithful and prudent servant whom his Lord hath appointed over his family? Note, the Dewey Bible translates prudent as wise. I answer that, according to the philosopher, in Ethics 6, 8, some have held that prudence does not extend to the common good, but only to the good of the individual, and this because they thought that man is not bound to seek other than his own good. But this opinion is opposed to charity, which seeketh not her own, 1 Corinthians 13.5, wherefore the apostle says of himself in 1 Corinthians 10.33, not seeking that which is profitable to myself, but to many, that they may be saved. Moreover, it is contrary to right reason, which judges the common good to be better than the good of the individual. Accordingly, since it belongs to prudence rightly to counsel, judge, and command concerning the means of obtaining a due end, it is evident that prudence regards not only the private good of the individual, but also the common good of the multitude. Reply to Objection 1. The philosopher is speaking there of moral virtue. Now just as every moral virtue that is directed to the common good is called legal justice, so the prudence that is directed to the common good is called political prudence, for the latter stands in the same relation to legal justice as prudence simply so called to moral virtue. Reply to Objection 2. He that seeks the good of the many, seeks in consequence his own good, for two reasons. First, because the individual good is impossible without the common good of the family, state, or kingdom. Hence, Valerius Maximus says, in his nine books of memorable deeds and sayings, 4.6, of the ancient Romans that they would rather be poor in a rich empire than rich in a poor empire. Secondly, because, since man is a part of the home and state, he must needs consider what is good for him by being prudent about the good of the many. For the good disposition of parts depends on their relation to the whole. Thus Augustine says, in his Confessions 3.8, that any part which does not harmonize with its whole is offensive. Reply to Objection 3. Even temperance and fortitude can be directed to the common good. Hence there are precepts of law concerning them as stated in Ethics 5.1. More so, however, prudence and justice, since these belong to the rational faculty which directly regards the universal, just as the sensitive part regards singulars. End of question 47, part 2. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.